they do more now than they used to. You know, they're, they're a million years ago, and back when my grandfather was practicing, and my dad too, you know, you can pretty much hang up your shingle and, and open a practice, and, you know, if you did a good job and you took care of the pets and you had a good bedside manner, and you, you were going to be okay. a regular gym routine. When was the last time you checked on your financial fitness? If you're feeling like you're falling behind, Ed Sedell is here to help with The Retirement Trainer, a podcast about helping you get into better financial shape. Every week, Ed talks about things you need to know to become more financially fit for your future. Learn about things like how much money will you need, financial mistakes other people often make, and how you can avoid them. Plus, details on the Retirement Fitness Plan, a plan Ed personally created to help you get to and through retirement by focusing on five key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the Retirement Fitness Plan when you visit egsifinancial.com and click on Processes. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to The Retirement Trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. It's The Retirement Trainer with Ed Sedell, a podcast about finding ways to help you become financially fit for your future, no matter what financial shape you're in now. 2020 was a challenging year for a lot of people, and in particular, small businesses. EGSI Financial believes in giving back to the community that has supported us for nearly 20 years. And as part of that, we're rolling out a campaign called Giving Back to Small Business. This is where we highlight two small businesses every month on our podcast, Ed Sedell, The Retirement Trainer, which is on iHeart, Spotify, Apple Play everywhere you listen to your podcasts to learn more about these small businesses and what kept them going and succeeding during COVID. Our goal is to promote and learn lessons of these small businesses so other business owners can draw upon their experiences and lessons to enhance their own situation. Today, we have Dr. Robert Knapp joining us on the podcast. He's the president and owner of Knapp Veterinary Hospital, located right here in Columbus, Ohio. And this is Leanne Sedell here to help us with answer all of our questions and give us some guidance is the retirement trainer, Ed Sedell. Hi, Ed. Hi, Bob. Hey, Leanne. Hello. Hey, Bob. How are you doing? How are you? Oh, doing well. Doing well. Well, thanks for, for joining us on the podcast today. I, I know how uh, how crazy busy that you guys have been lately. Yes, we have. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you really have been. I, you know, it seems like, um, you know, over the last year, even though things were a little crazy, you guys were, you know, busier than than usual. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's, it seems to be uh, an industry-wide uh issue or, or trend uh, that the veterinary profession uh, in general over this, this last year, starting probably end of last spring, things have been moving at a growth and, and the busyness has been higher than, than anybody can re- remember ever. It's been somewhat unprecedented, probably a ton of factors uh, going into that. And 
you know, that's, that's definitely presented some uh, some positives, but also some, some challenges for sure. Well, we know at least, I'm going to just give you uh, at least six people who have taken on new puppies and kittens oh, yeah. and... Um, Goldfish. <laughs> farm animals of all kinds. So, Sheep. Yeah, and, yeah it, it has. It's I've never seen anything like it. And I guess, you know, when you're home and you can't go anywhere, it's it's uh, the, the real definition of a staycation. Um, and so, uh, you know, I wish we thought it was a staycation. It was not. It, was it not definitely a was. <laughs> um, well, so so tell us about some of the challenges. I mean, obviously the the good things, but let, let's talk about some of the challenges that you faced over the the last year and and kind of you know how you handled them. Yeah. So this this last year, the, I mean, the, the challenges uh, have been you know sort of continuous and and some some of. Uh, you know, some some are things we sort of anticipated uh, as the pandemic started rolling up, and we uh, saw what was going to probably happen with uh, shutdowns and things like that, and then then a bunch of unprecedented things. Probably the the biggest challenges early on uh, was a, was a lot of the uncertainty, right? As as we got into uh, end of last March and April. Uh, our uh, veterinarians and and a bunch of other professions, dentists, optometrists, uh, you know, medical doctors, all were sort of said, well, you know, routine or, or elective procedures, you know, to, to preserve uh, protective gear for uh, frontline workers, you know, you're not allowed to do those. So certain surgeries we would typically do, you know, a lot of things got canceled and, and pushed back. So. You know, there was a challenge in, uh, from the business side of that and just, just the practice side, uh, the uncertainty of how long will these restrictions last, right? And, you know, nobody knew early on. So that was, that was challenge A. Challenge B was taking care of our, our, our staff, uh, my doctors, my veterinary technicians, my support staff with receptionists, animal care assistants, veterinary assistants. All right. How do we make sure everybody's safe? Because we were uh, we were designated veterinary medicine is designated as a as an essential service or essential profession. So we weren't required to close our business, but at the same time we needed to keep we needed to keep things going, take care of of uh, the sick animals and the things that needed to get done, uh, but figure out a way to do it. You know, socially distance, physically distance, but I guess the better term. Uh, manner and and keep our our staff healthy and safe. Keep our clients healthy and safe, and then still follow uh, the other government mandates and requirements for everything. So, you know that was a balancing act. You know, I think when we start looking at requirements of six foot distancing, I'm not sure how I can have a veterinary assistant you know, restrain an animal so I can do a physical exam and still maintain six feet of distance. So it's, you know, masks, shields, you know, emphasizing with our staff, if you're sick, stay home, you know, that creates its own thing where you're scheduled to have X number of people working to handle X number of patients and three people have a fever or don't feel good. And now we're, you know, short staffed. And then early on working through that, then as the restrictions sort of reduced, it was then managing uh, the, the unprecedented or unexpected increase in volume of, of business. And the, the number of new clients, the number of new patients, 
practices that were sort of maybe slowing down uh, because our, our, our new model of doing business was a curbside practice. Clients can't come in, have extra staff to move animals and move pets from the parking lot into the hospital, doing everything by phone, uh, you know, you know, do all the communication by phone with a client who's sitting right outside, but you you can't go out and talk to them. Uh, and then you know, it just added uh, layers of, of time onto things and trying to keep up with, you know, keep up with that. And then, you know, now our issues as things are opening up, it's, it's staffing, right? And our, in our situation, I've had some part-time employees that either uh, have graduated college and gone on to their, their full-time careers or they were working part-time in school at, at OSU. And now they're home for the summer. And, you know, now we're having to all of a sudden fill the ranks again. And, you know, whereas I think as everybody else, we're sort of looking for uh, employees. You know, you know, everywhere you go, there's signs up. And I don't think veterinarians are any different. We're all sort of the same boat here. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, getting people to come in and work. It's getting, you know, the, the right people, the qualified people to, to come in and, um, and and help with the animals. I mean, it's it's a... <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's I, such a specialty. I, yeah. I mean, your 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 uh, resources are, are a lot more limited or your, your pool of people are a lot more limited too, aren't they? Yeah, overall, in general, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of take the approach of uh, when, we, when we hire people on and, and look for new uh, new support staff, to, you know, again, depends on the position, but I, I look at it as a context of, you know, I hire a person and uh, I'm looking for the right personality, the right uh, mindset. Obviously, you know, if I'm hiring a veterinarian, you've got to have a skill set uh, or a veterinary technician. You now, there's a lot, of, there's some, some a skill set you need to bring to the plate, your right licensure and your degrees, but uh, you know, I hire a lot for attitude and interest in learning. And, uh, you know, I look at it as we can train you and get the knowledge part ready, whether, you know, it's for an animal care uh, assistant or a receptionist up front. Uh, but what I can't fix is, you know, desire, interest, and attitude. Right. And, yeah. you know, Good point. I hire, we hire, try to hire for that, and then we can work on over some time the other thing. Now, struggle we've had in the last year is that that extra time is is somewhat non-existent so mm -hmm. um, i hired a new doctor last year and you know that was a big question mark during the early part of the pandemic is you know is the business going to support replacing this doctor or am i smarter should i just uh leave that position uh you know sort of open right now and you know in retrospect i'm glad we we hired her uh but at the same time there's usually a, a couple months sort of ramp up time and this individual started end of May and there was no ramp up time. I mean, it sort of straight into, the, into the water and I said, you either swim or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or else. And, Sink or and swim. Here's a, yeah. you know, I'll throw yeah. a life preserver to you if you need it, but let's, let's see if you can swim first. And <laughs> I guess that's where that, that employee handbook, <laughs> here you go. Here's, here's all the processes, yeah. procedures. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, so how long were you guys, were you guys closed? I mean, because you, I mean, you have a hospital, so you have animals there the whole time. I mean, you, you couldn't like close, be closed, we, closed. Right? Yeah. We never closed. Okay. Right? We never, 
we never had to close or shut the doors. We did have to uh, really, the, there was a governor state mandate to preserve, uh, you know, the PPE or the protect, the personal protective equipment and supplies. So our, our ability to do some surgeries with appropriate uh, protection was, was pretty much gone for most of, uh, middle of March through April. And so we had about six weeks, maybe a little bit more, where uh, just to you know be compliant with the the state's mandate to uh, preserve that equipment. We weren't doing certain procedures, so so we didn't. I mean, shoot, we couldn't even get the stuff if I, if I wanted to. I mean, I couldn't buy you know exam gloves or surgical gowns or or surgical masks. That stuff was it was just unavailable to to our profession. So. Uh, you know what we had. Uh, if we had extra, it, it went to the state. We donated it uh, to the Franklin County because uh, they were distributing it then to primary and uh, frontline workers. Stuff that we had already opened it just became you know gold. And don't <laughs> do you, you know, <laughs> yeah. Do you really need to wear a glove to do that, or can you just wash your hands really well afterwards? Yeah, and, and especially when you're dealing with animals all the time. I yeah, it it, it is. Yeah, there's there's obviously things we do that aren't aren't very appealing sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a very delicate way of saying about. Say, that's much nicer than I was. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll try to keep this podcast as, as G-rated as possible. But. Well, so so how did you? I mean, how did you get into this business? I mean, you know, did you? I, I know your 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 dad was a veterinarian. Did you? Is had you always been around animals, and you at an early age said, "Okay, this is what I want to do," or how did that evolve? Yeah, so you know, my my path was is probably not the most common one. I mean, I um, actually my my grandfather and father were both veterinarians. So oh, wow. the business is, is a, this is a third generation practice. My, oh, that's on uh, grandfather started this in, in 1945. My grandfather graduated from Ohio State as a veterinarian in 1932. Uh, he was on faculty for a while and then um, left the university late mid 40s and started this practice uh, on what was then the north side of Columbus uh, in 1945. And uh, we've been at this address ever since. Um, my father oh, it's the same location. Same location. My father graduated in 61, uh, was in the Army for a couple of years, then came back to Columbus. And then uh, I graduated in 92. Uh, and so I, I sort of, I mean, I grew up in this thing. So yeah. Yeah. this was, this is sort of, whether it's genetics or, or just not knowing anything else, this, the, this this practice is what I've known. I've been working here since I was 13. You know, hanging out here since you know I was a baby, I'm sure. And you know, it, it sort of just evolved. Of you know, I enjoy doing this job. I enjoy the challenges of this job. Never really strongly looked at anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, just just sort of satisfied whatever needs I had and and with my interests and. It's the it's the science part of it. It's the problem solving part of it. It's the people part of it. It's you know working with the pets and uh, you know it's and, and then the legacy of what what we've created and done is you know trying to maintain that. All of those things sort of pushed me where I am now, or 
led me to where I am now. Do you enjoy the business component of of the hospital? Is or, or because what I have found, I have a, a close friend that that is a vet, and you know the animal component of it, the business side of it, um, or did you feel like you wanted to bring somebody alongside you to take on that? I can only tell you from our experience here, when I started working with Ed, it definitely um, added a dynamic. We are very different people, but we... Um, <laughs> Complement each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know. and, and I'm just, uh, I know... Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, being, going from the practitioner yeah. to yeah. to the businessman, I mean, that that's a, or business person, I mean, that's, that's a, because uh, they don't teach you that side of it in uh, veterinary school. Or do they? Or do they? <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, they, they do more now than they used to. You know, they're, they're a million years ago, and back when my grandfather was practicing, and my dad too, you know, you can pretty much hang up your shingle and, and open the practice. And, and, you know, if you did a good job and you took care of the pets and you had a good bedside manner, and uh, you, you were going to be okay. I, back a million years ago, I mean, I remember when my grandfather would go out of town, he'd basically, uh, the whole business was in a tackle box. Mm. I mean, the checkbook was in there, the, the tax tables were in there, time, uh, payroll. I mean, we used to do payroll. You could take a piece of notebook paper, scribble, put your name on it, put down how many hours you worked, and boom, that was your, uh, that was your quote unquote time card. And every two weeks, you'd sit down and you'd add the hours, multiply by your hourly rate, look up the tax table, and hand write out a bunch of checks. And you know, everything was in this tackle box. And I knew. You know, as kids, we knew when that tackle box was on dad's desk, grandpa was out of town and dad was in charge and we should leave him alone. Because uh, <laughs> he had this added thing on his head that, uh, you know, the business was his. And then, you know, there was a time when that transitioned uh, over to dad and his management style was different than my grandfather's. And then as I, you know, came along and, and started moving, you know, into some of that, you know, I think we started struggling with some of the challenges of the, the regulatory side of it. Mm-hmm. The, you know, tax implications were much higher. There was more issues with, uh, you know, record keeping and compliance and IRS and, and you know, wage and stuff. And now you're and dealing with insurance, right? Our animal insurance is, is a whole different level. Yeah. So that that's, uh, you know, that's definitely an emerging thing that comes along. So. You know, I, we sort of, you know, from a business standpoint, I didn't get a lot of business training in school. I sort of relied on, oh, you know, continuing education uh, seminars. And, you know, there was, I've got friends from undergrad who, as they moved up in the business world and, and stuff, who work in finance or other areas, you know, you pick their brains and, okay, how does, how does your company manage this issue? You know, I got to get a loan and I got to write, Huntington wants me to write a big old business plan. And I have no idea what goes in a business plan. You know, they want projections and they want all this stuff. And I don't know, where do I come up with those things? And how do I make them, you know, legitimate? You know, I, or how do you, how do you project a business that's been around for 75 years, or, you know, time maybe 50 years? What do you project out? I mean, we paid our bills. You know what's in our checking account. You know what's in our savings account. What more do you need to give me a loan? Right. right. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we've we've been here forever. What what more document do you need? You know, when when have we ever missed a payment? So just 
give me a loan so I can remodel this place. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. And, and, and you know, and you're talking about you know the the business, the practice being in that building since 1945. I mean, it's uh, um, modern to. I mean, beyond modern. I mean, it's a very yeah. Well, we we've been at this address. I mean, the building is 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 newer. So the the actual original practice. If you come here, you're parking on it because it was up closer to the the road. And a number of years ago, you know, it was early early mid 90s. The the business next to us was a mechanical services property, and they had sort of an L shaped lot. And the owner of that was tired of looking at all the trailers and sight boxes, and he just had a ton of equipment stacked up there. And he was moving it to the other side of the property, and so he didn't have to stare at it every day and offered to sell us the uh, sort of the, the L shape part of the land. Uh, and we were able to build a new building while we were working in the behind the old one. And then one day we sort of opened the back door of the old building and the front door of the new one moved everything out and then made a bigger parking lot than we ever used to have. And so we've, we've kept the same address, although the building has is, is not 1945. <laughs> <laughs> Out of your week, Bob, how much time do you think you spend on the business component of it as far as, I, obviously you're, you're working with animals and, and people, but how much time do you think you, you devote to future planning or changing things that are, you currently have in place? Yeah, that's that's the that's probably the struggle. That's that's the the work life balance thing. So I think you know I still work full time as a as a veterinary. So my uh, you know that time spent on the business, not in the business, uh, the way I sort of look at it is is I try to t- it's it's nighttime. It's you know when I'm cutting the grass on a Saturday or Sunday and walking around and my brain's not engaged in a bunch of other things. That's the time these brilliant little ideas usually hit hit my head when when I'm not doing anything else. I try to take a day a week and call it an administrative day and I'll come in on a Wednesday and I don't have scheduled appointments and I can sort of dig through the stack of papers or or figure out, you know, if there's bigger issues and I've got a couple of other I mean I've got a couple of other management people here who, you know, help run the business and deal with some of the, the HR stuff and drug ordering and uh, supply side of it and, and help uh, administer some of the operational side. You know, they do some of the legwork on that, but, you know, it, it's hard to find time to sort of step back and get that 30,000 foot view. And and still and still have a personal life. I mean, you know, like you said, that work life balance, creating that, and I mean, with your family and your kids, um, and you know, working, putting as much time in as you do. I mean, you've got to really rely a lot on your team. Well, and, and if we didn't have a, a a good solid team around us, one, I don't think we're here today, and two, we definitely you know don't get through last year very well. We've got some some people who've been here with us for years couple of technicians, you know, 20 plus, 30, almost 30 years in, in a couple of situations. And some of the doctors we got here, you know, uh, got an associate. This was his first job out of school in 1977. Dad hired him and he's still with us. So, wow, that speaks uh, volumes. I mean, he, you know, those are, you know, I think we you know, try to take care of, do the right thing, take care of our, our people. And I sort of look at, I'm not going to, drill in so much on, on how you do the job, you know, but, you know, we've got some 
pretty simple goals and it's take care of the pets, provide, uh, you know, the, the care we need to our, our clients and their pets and do it, you know, in an upfront manner and, you know, communicate, 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 and then do the best you can. And how you get there isn't as important as, you know, making sure that, you know, our clients are satisfied. And, and I try to let the staff sort of, you know, do what they're comfortable with, and but but understanding we have this sort of big overarching thing that we need to accomplish every day. Well, and I think the empowering of your people to to be able to make some of those calls without you being involved in every single detail is is huge yeah. too. I mean, that's that's the only way that you keep your it's sanity. culture. I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. You know. I mean, you know, medically, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to stand over every doctor's shoulder and say, you know, you shouldn't use that medicine. Uh, you should do this. No. Uh, you know, I gotta trust that, you know, I've got skilled people doing their, their, their job and know how to do it. And if we've hired the right people in, then I shouldn't have to worry about the other stuff. Well, you know, and, and the culture there is, is such that I'll never forget the first time I, I, I walked into your practice. Uh, and I think I even commented on it. It, did not smell like a veterinary hospital. I mean, a real. I mean, it was so clean. It just, and everyone was super friendly and smiling. And that really goes to the overall uh, culture, the the team. I mean, it seems like everyone's kind of bought in. I, I'm just probably not using the right language, you know, but um, it it really goes to what you guys, uh, you and your dad and your granddad have kind of created. Well, you know, I, uh, you know, the sort of mentioned up, we, we've got, there's a legacy here. There's, uh, that I, I take very seriously. I, I did not create this business. I'm a, I'm a caretaker of it. And, you know, my, you know, I think one of my things that, that sometimes keeps me awake at night is am I, uh, being respectful of what my grandfather started and my dad continued and, and am I nurturing this thing, this business in the way Granted, it's not going to be the same way they did it, but I like to think that our overall overarching values are, are somewhat unchanged. Provide a fair service at a fair price and don't be judgmental and, and solve the problems. Uh, you know, our, our clients are coming in with their pets and they want us to help make sure their pets are healthy or fix whatever issues are there and, and do it, uh, you know, in an effective and manner and compassionate manner and, and be respectful of everybody's needs and work with what, what we can. Well, I can only say from experience also, Bob, I, you know, you're a veterinary hospital, but I, I will say these are their children. Oh, yeah. These are a lot of people's children. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and, oh without a doubt. Yeah. I, I know our yeah. dog is higher on the totem pole than yeah. I am in our house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're laughing. I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, no, well, no, it's, but it's, I, it's, uh, same place with me. Yeah, you, you do watch. You watch people, and I. I think in some ways, it's this is this is a uh, a big part of their lives is is who takes care of their yeah. oh, their yeah. uh, furry people. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this last year is has really has has really reinforced that. I mean, uh, you know, everybody's been home with their pets mm-hmm. all the time, and. You know what? What does the dog do all day? You know, well, now we know, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we're all envious. When, wow, look at that! Yeah. If I, <laughs> when, or, you know, where where does the cat go when I'm gone? And now, now we know. And, yep. and in some situations, it's you know the the pets have suffered too. They're saying, hey, you know, I'm usually sitting there, you know, at ten o'clock in the morning, 
on that couch and you're in my way. And, you know, this, you know they're, they've been just as That's disrupted. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, go to work, get out of here. And uh, uh, they've just been just as disrupted with this whole uh, change uh, as, as as we have. You know, it's and it's created some things, you know, it's, and then as things start to open back up, once everybody gets into the rhythm of the, the new, you know, the adjustment, now things are starting to open up and people go back to work and the pets are sitting there going, all right, where, you know, where is everybody? And I just got, got used to every, liking everybody around. Now, now they're all gone. So we're going to have this sort of influx of things that that creates. I can only, I mean, again, the depression of, of people has been uh, ebbing and flowing this year, but uh, with our pets, we're seeing that anxiety, that change and happen. So I, I, I can see it oh, from yeah. my own personal life. <laughs> I've watched a lot of change happen. So so just one last question I have for you. So from a marketing perspective, I I know your, your reputation, um, it's a lot of referral for you guys, but have you changed anything? Have you, uh, you know, and how your marketing um, are you doing anything different um, over the last year than you did before? You know, really, no. Uh, as far as marketing, you know, there's always that, uh, you know, this, this profession has never really embraced marketing a lot, right? And, again, and there's, a, there's different schools of thought as far as, you know, for a professional, you know, how much is too much and what's, what's ethical and what's, uh, respectful. And I think there's, you know, there's sort of a fine line and I'm, you know, I sort of a traditionalist and I don't think my grandfather had a marketing budget. I don't think dad has a marketing, had a marketing budget. We never really advertised except, you know, a million years ago, it was an ad in the yellow pages. That was marketing. Right? Yeah. The, you know, who's got the, who's the first veterinarian to go with a, a, a block ad and who was the first one to go with color. And then, <laughs> okay, full page ads, and those are that was the those were the marketing wars. And now with internet, we we dabbled in. Uh, you know, there was a period where we did some like Facebook, you know, uh, stuff, and we had a. There was it never really panned out. It didn't really create much for us. And I think what our tried and true thing is is goes back to. You know, one, we've been here a long time. We haven't gone anywhere. You know, we're in the same address as we were 75 years ago. Uh, word of mouth and reputation and our work to maintain that is where I sort of focus the efforts. Well, I mean, obviously, the word of mouth and, and your reputation is, is, you know, why you guys are succeeding for sure. So, Bob, how can people find you? And obviously, they uh, we we've mentioned, but give us a little bit of a direction on how they can find you. So, uh, if you're if you're searching the interweb and the internet, uh, our our office website is is napvet.com, K-N-A-P-P-V-E-T.com, and it's got the, the you know the contact information, maps, all that type of stuff. Uh, our email is info at napvet.com, so that. Uh, inquiries can go to that and, and the right people will get forwarded uh, any questions. Uh, our address is on, uh, we're on at 596 Oakland Park Avenue. So uh, that is in the Clintonville area of Columbus, one block north of East North Broadway and, and the intersection of East North Broadway and Indianola. So sort of Clintonville area, just you know north of campus, mm-hmm. very accessible to 71, not too far from 315. and. You know, it's, it's sort of a centralized Yeah, spot. it is. 
It's a really great right spot. Right off the interstate, yeah. And we're going to make sure that everybody has all the bells and whistles as far as uh, through Facebook and, and to, to link on and, and yeah. locate you yeah. that way. Okay. Yeah, but perfect. It, if you're a small business in the Columbus area, we want the opportunity to learn how you overcame uh, this very difficult year. We want to learn all about what, how you made it through this very uh, stressful time. And as we know, it's important that you have a plan. We build plans here for our clients so that when the anxiety of bad things happening, which they sometimes do, that you know what to do next. Small businesses need a plan also and to prepare for the unknowns as this is the largest asset most business owners have. We look forward to supporting, growing, and learning more about these small businesses that made it through 2020. So if you know of a success story or if you are a success story, please reach out to us at 614-526-4118. You can also email us at info at egsifinancial.com or you can check us out on our website where we have a contact page at www.egsifinancial.com. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Ed. Hey, thanks, Bob. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Everyone have a great day. All right, you too. you tested your fitness level, not your workout routine. I'm talking about your financial endurance because if saving to a 401k is the extent of your effort, it is time for you to start shaping up. And Ed Sedell is here to help you do that with the retirement trainer. It's his podcast to help you examine your financial stamina and learn the questions you should be asking and areas to focus on to help you get to that place you've been working so hard for a happy, comfortable retirement. And it's not as hard as some might have made you believe. Ed's broken it down into five simple steps. It's the retirement fitness plan, which he personally created to help clarify key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan at egsifinancial.com. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to the retirement trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. Investment advisory services offered through EGSI Investment Management, DBA EGSI Financial Group, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through EGSI Financial Services, Inc., Ohio license number 102061. Nine. 